Section 4 of History of Henry IV, King of France and Navarre by John Stevens Cabot Abbott. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Pamela Nagami. Chapter 1 Childhood and Youth, Part 3. At this time, the overwhelming majority of the inhabitants of France were Catholics. It is generally been estimated a hundred to one. But the doctrines of the reformers gained ground until toward the close of the century, about the time of the massacre of St. Bartholomew, the Protestants composed about one-sixth of the population. The storm of persecution which fell upon them was so terrible that they were compelled to protect themselves by force of arms gradually they gained the ascendancy in several cities which they fortified and where they protected refugees from the persecution which had driven them from the cities where the catholics predominated such was the deplorable condition of france at the time of which we write in the little kingdom of navarre which was but about one-third as large as the state of massachusetts and which since its dismemberment contained less than three hundred thousand inhabitants nearly every individual was a protestant antony of bourbon who had married the queen was a frenchman with him as with many others in that day religion was merely a badge of party politics antony spent much of his time in the voluptuous court of france and as he was of course solicitous for popularity there he espoused the catholic side of the controversy jeanne d'albret was energetically a protestant apparently her faith was founded in deep religious conviction when catherine of medici advised her to follow her husband into the catholic church she replied with firmness madam sooner than ever go to mass if i had my kingdom and my son both in my hands i would hurl them to the bottom of the sea before they should change my purpose jeanne had been married to antony merely as a matter of state policy there was nothing in his character to win a noble woman's love with no social or religious sympathies they lived together for a time in a state of respectful indifference but the court of navarre was too quiet and religious to satisfy the taste of the voluptuous parisian he consequently spent most of his time enjoying the gaieties of the metropolis of france a separation mutually and amicably agreed upon was the result Antony conveyed with him to Paris his son Henry, and there took up his residence. Amidst the changes and the fluctuations of the ever-agitated metropolis, he eagerly watched for opportunities to advance his own fame and fortune. As Jeanne took leave of her beloved child, she embraced him tenderly and with tears, and treated him never to abandon the faith in which he had been educated. Jeanne d'Albret, with her little daughter, remained in the less splendid but more moral and refined metropolis of her paternal domain. A mother's solicitude and prayers, however, followed her son. Antony consented to retain as a tutor for Henry the wise and learned La Gaucherie, who was himself strongly attached to the reformed religion. The inflexibility of Jeanne d'Albret and the refuge she ever cheerfully afforded to the persecuted Protestants quite enraged the Pope. As a measure of intimidation, he at one time summoned her as a heretic to appear before the Inquisition within six months, under penalty of losing her crown and her possessions. Jeanne, unawed by the threat, appealed to the monarchs of Europe for protection. 
none were disposed in that age to encourage such arrogant claims and pope pius the sixth was compelled to moderate his haughty tone a plot however was then formed to seize her and her children and hand them over to the tender mercies of the spanish inquisition but this plot also failed in paris itself there were many bold protestant nobles who with arms at their side and stout retainers around them kept personal persecution at bay they were generally men of commanding character of intelligence and integrity the new religion throughout the country was manifestly growing fast in strength and at times even in the saloons of the palace the rival parties were pretty nearly balanced although throughout the kingdom of france the catholics were vastly more numerous than the protestants yet as england and much of germany had warmly espoused the cause of the reformers it was perhaps difficult to decide which party on the whole in europe was the strongest nobles and princes of the highest rank were in all parts of europe ranged under either banner in the two factions thus contending for dominion there were of course some who were not much influenced by conscientious considerations but who were merely struggling for political power when henry first arrived in paris catherine kept a constant watch over his words and his actions she spared no possible efforts to bring him under her entire control efforts were made to lead his teacher to check his enthusiasm for lofty exploits and to surrender him to the claims of frivolous amusement this detestable queen presented before the impassioned young man all the blandishments of female beauty that she might betray him to licentious indulgence in some of these infamous arts she was but too successful catherine in her ambitious projects was often undecided as to which cause she should espouse and which party she should call to her aid at one time she would favour the protestants and again the catholics at about this time she suddenly turned to the protestants and courted them so decidedly as greatly to alarm and exasperate the catholics some of the catholic nobles formed a conspiracy and seized catherine and her son at the palace of fontainebleau and held them both as captives the proud queen was almost frantic with indignation at the insult the protestants conscious that the conspiracy was aimed against them rallied for the defence of the queen the catholics all over the kingdom sprang to arms a bloody civil war ensued nearly all europe was drawn into the conflict germany and england came with eager armies to aid the protestants catherine hated the proud and haughty elizabeth england's domineering queen and was very jealous of her fame and power she resolved that she would not be indebted to her ambitious rival for aid she therefore most strangely threw herself into the arms of the catholics and ardently espoused their cause the protestants soon found her with all the energy of her powerful mind heading their foes france was deluged in blood a large number of protestants threw themselves into rouen antony of bourbon headed an army of the catholics to besiege the city a ball struck him and he fell senseless to the ground his attendants placed him covered with blood in a carriage to convey him to the hospital while in the carriage and jostling over the rough road and as the thunders of the cannonade were pealing in his ears the spirit of the blood-stained soldier ascended to the tribunal of the god of peace henry was now left fatherless and subject entirely to the control of his mother 
whom he most tenderly loved and whose views as one of the most prominent leaders of the protestant party he was strongly inclined to espouse the sanguinary conflict still raged with unabated violence throughout the whole kingdom arming brother against brother friend against friend churches were sacked and destroyed vast extents of country were almost depopulated cities were surrendered to pillage and atrocities innumerable perpetrated from which it would seem that even fiends would revolt france was filled with smouldering ruins and the wailing cry of widows and of orphans thus made by the wrath of man ascended from every plain and every hillside to the ear of that god who has said thou shalt love thy neighbour as thyself at last both parties were weary of the horrid strife the catholics were struggling to extirpate what they deemed ruinous heresy from the kingdom the protestants were repelling the assault and contending not for general liberty of conscience but that their doctrines were true and therefore should be sustained terms of accommodation were proposed and the catholics made the great concession as they regarded it of allowing the protestants to conduct public worship outside the walls of towns the protestants accepted these terms and sheathed the sword but many of the more fanatic catholics were greatly enraged at this toleration the guises the most arrogant family of nobles the world has ever known retired from paris in indignation declaring that they would not witness such a triumph of heresy the decree which granted this poor boon was the famous edict of january fifteen sixty two issued from st germain but such a peace as this could only be a truce caused by exhaustion deep-seated animosity still rankled in the bosom of both parties and notwithstanding all the woes which desolating wars had engendered the spirit of religious intolerance was eager again to grasp the weapons of deadly strife during the sixteenth century the doctrine of religious toleration was recognized by no one that great truth had not then even dawned upon the world the noble toleration so earnestly advocated by bay and locke a century later was almost a new revelation to the human mind but in the sixteenth century it would have been regarded as impious and rebellion against god to have affirmed that error was not to be pursued and punished the reformers did not advocate the view that a man had a right to believe what he pleased and to disseminate that belief they only declared that they were bound at all hazards to believe the truth that the views which they cherished were true and that therefore they should be protected in them they appealed to the bible and challenged their adversaries to meet them there our fathers must not be condemned for not being in advance of the age in which they lived that toleration which allows a man to adopt without any civil disabilities any mode of worship that does not disturb the peace of society exists as we believe only in the united states even in england dissenters are excluded from many privileges throughout the whole of catholic europe no religious toleration is recognized the emperor napoleon during his reign established the most perfect freedom of conscience in every government his influence could control his downfall re-established throughout europe the dominion of intolerance the reformation in contending for the right of private judgment in contradiction to the claims of councils maintained a principle which necessarily involved the freedom of conscience this was not then perceived but time developed the truth 
the reformation became in reality the mother of all religious liberty end of section three